CBS Friday. TV's hottest show is Fire Country. I'm not a hero. I'm in orange for a reason. They're taking 12 months off your sentence. You're free. Lady. With a special epic season finale. Now that I'm out, I need something to get me up in the morning. You are a firefighter. You used to be. That will be unforgettable. In the name of your life's happiness, go get your girl. She's getting married tomorrow. Says, when do you let anything get in the way of what you want? The Fire Country season finale, Friday, 9, 8 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Travis Ryer, the BamaOnline.com staff following the media viewing period at Monday's football practice at the University of Alabama, the Crimson Tide back to work, following its 47-28 win over the Aggies of Texas A&M on Saturday out in College Station, Texas, Alabama back at it in pretty much shells, really just helmets and shorts. Uh, not going to be a physical practice on Monday. Team still trying to get its legs back under it. Typically what we see out there, and that was the case again today. Uh, veteran players, guys who play a lot of snaps, uh, for the most part, uh, not doing a whole lot during individual drills. We did see Chris Owens, who missed Saturday's game at the center position. We did see Chris Owens with the offensive line. He was jumping in with some of the reps with uh, – the center guard combos that were working there under the watchful eye of offensive line coach Kyle Flood. You heard from Nick Saban earlier in the day in relation to that situation with Chris Owens, and Saban pretty much felt like it might be later in the week until the availability of Chris Owens would be more clear for Tennessee on Saturday night at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Uh, But again, he was out there at least uh, during individual drills, snapping the football, doing some of those combination drills with the offensive guards. Now, Landon Dickerson was still at center on Monday, as you might expect, coming off an impressive performance there at the position in relief of Chris Owens. You had Deontay Brown getting the start at right guard, Evan Neal still at left guard. Uh, That trio, along with offensive tackles, Jedrick Wills, and also Alex Leatherwood played a nice game. Nice game. Just one sack for Texas A&M in the game Saturday, and really that came on a bootleg play that Watching the replay, that never had a chance to to get off the ground. So that wasn't as much on the uh, offensive line as it was play design. And credit to uh, Mike Elko, the Texas A&M defensive coordinator. He had a nice one dialed up for Tua Tonga-Vailoa on that particular play. Again, other guys like Terrell Lewis, Anthony Jennings at the outside linebacker positions didn't look like they were doing a whole lot. That's not unusual early in the week, especially as you start moving throughout the season. Uh, And the good news is you have another bye week coming up here in a few weeks at the end of the month. So that works well uh, with the dual bye weeks during the 2019 season. Uh, The secondary, uh, defensively, inside linebackers, everybody looked to be in pretty good shape. Alabama came out of that win on Saturday. Uh, in relatively good health. Now, Jalen Waddle, as we know, left the game on Saturday, went in, was checked. Uh, looked like he had a left forearm, left elbow type of situation, but he came back into the game. And uh, he was out there today, had a little sleeve on that elbow and that arm, it looked like, but uh, otherwise looked to be in pretty good shape. Um, Josh Job, we talked about him last week, the uh, sophomore corner. He's got a left hand issue. Looks like that's still the case. That's either a, a cast or a heavy brace that he was wearing out there today. Uh, but he was taking part uh, in individual drills. Uh, so again, from a health perspective, um, a good situation for Nick Saban's team going into Tennessee 
the Vols. What is it now? Is it 12 in a row? Going for 13? It's every year Nick Saban's been here, right? I mean, that's kind of how you can keep track of a couple series. A couple series you can keep track of that way. Tennessee and, well, the game after Tennessee, Arkansas. You know, neither one of those teams uh, have been able to uh, snap the Saban skid that they've been in since uh, Nick Saban took over as head coach in 2007. Uh, of the Crimson Tide. So you know, that's kind of where things sit from an injury standpoint. Again, no news is good news this time of year. Uh, and Alabama looks to be in pretty good shape from that perspective. Uh, the defensive line caught a little bit of a glimpse of the big guys over there uh, with Brian Baker today. Uh, Christian Barmore was asked about during Nick Saban's press conference earlier today. Barmore very impressive in one-on-one -on -one situations. As a pass rusher, you saw that again on Saturday with the sack of Kellen Mond there. In a stretch of the game that was really pivotal, um, A&M comes out, goes down the field in 15 plays, takes eight minutes off the clock, takes an early lead. Uh, that's exactly the kind of start A&M needed, not only in terms of getting out in front, but taking time off that clock, keeping that Alabama offense off the field. But Alabama, give them credit. Give them credit defensively. And I, I still think Alabama's offense being able to answer that score with a tying touchdown on its first possession was, was really important too. That gave the defense a little bit of a chance to catch its breath, sort of settle in. Big crowd, 106, 107,000 people at Kyle Field on Saturday. And from there, the defense produced uh, a couple of really nice series in terms of three and outs. Uh, forced a turnover, Shaheem Carter with the forced fumble and Xavier McKinney with the recovery and then forced a red zone field goal. And uh, that was kind of the story of the game. Once Alabama was able to kind of catch its breath defensively, get a couple of three stops, couple of stops, uh, you know, a takeaway and then a red zone field goal, you know, that gives that offense a chance to give that team some breathing room. And that's what happened. Alabama goes up 24 to 10 there in the second quarter. Could have been more, if not for the red zone interception. The uh, uncharacteristic pick from Tua Tonga Vailoa, but all's well that ends well. The Alabama special teams return game was outstanding. Waddle uh, with a big day on punt returns. Henry Ruggs with a big day on kickoff returns. Uh, Joseph Bulovus made a couple field goals, ding the the upright a couple times, and Joseph Bulovus signature fashion um, but special teams and field position was very much in favor of Alabama on Saturday afternoon at Texas A&M. Anything you got for me on this Monday? It's perfect here in Tuscaloosa by the way. We've got overcast skies but it's around 75 degrees. Um, you got the million dollar band out there at about one o'clock from where I'm positioned. Sounds like you might get some Beatles medley on Saturday night. You gonna be awake at halftime? It's going to be about 9.30, a quarter to 10 o'clock. You're going to be able to stay up? Yeah. Oh, gosh, we're asking about Jordan Battle, um, Maiden, and that situation. You know, you'd like to see a little more out of Maiden at this point. I, I think that he is uh, – there's a sense of security with Jared Maiden and that he's been in the program, he understands the coverages, made an interception a couple weeks ago, so he has done that. Uh, but I don't think there's any doubt Jordan Battle is the future of that position in general. You know, if Xavier McKinney comes out after this season as a three and out, goes to the National Football League, you look to 2020, uh, I think Jordan Battle is one of those guys that's being groomed similar to sort of um, 
sort of similar to uh, McKinney a couple of years ago, although McKinney didn't see as much playing time in 2017 as what we're seeing from Jordan Battle this year. But I'm talking about in terms of making calls and checks back there. Uh, obviously a guy they trust a lot already just to be in that dime package as a true freshman safety is saying something. Now, will that role increase over the uh, second half of the regular season? We'll see, you know. Um, I don't think Battle's been perfect, uh, although he does have the the excuse of youth, you know, more so than Maiden. So typically in situations like that, if all things are pretty equal, you'll see the young guy more and more. We'll see if it plays out that way. <laughs> Scott asking if anyone else on the team can punt. Uh, you know, we see guys out there. We were just out there. We saw Will Reichard with the kickers and punters today, but again, he was kind of faking the pump. He was working on his drop, put it that way, uh, which is critical. You know, punters in practice, they really only need to kick maybe 25, 30 balls a day. What they need to be doing is technique stuff like drops and things like that. We saw Will Riker doing that today. We'll see you know, where he's at as the week goes on. Um, you know, they've dressed out guys. Mike Bernier is still a part of this team. He punted last year as a walk-on. Um, Ty P. Ryan, we've seen dressed out for games. Um, but, you know, some of these guys you don't see on the, the 110 roster at this point. Uh, you see them at RollTide.com, so they're official. But I don't think it's um, – I don't think we're above, at this point, Alabama's above looking at just about anybody. So, you know, as, as much heat as Skylar DeLong catches, I think the question eventually becomes who's putting him back out there time and time again. You know, Skylar DeLong isn't declaring himself the punter every week. You know, that's a decision being made by Jeff Banks, Nick Saban coaching staff and they're obviously seeing enough Monday through Friday to think that you know he's close to getting to where he needs to be but it just seems like it's a game day issue for Skyler along and that's tough Jimmy says try Joseph Bullivis at punter or are you talking about Will Riker probably talking about Will Riker because he is a two-way guy um, got to get real Riker healthy first I think the defense is getting there. I do. I know that, you know, if you're an Alabama fan, it's kind of tough to swallow watching a defense give up 20-plus on a weekly basis. A couple of things there. I mean, you're talking about precedent for youth uh, on an Alabama defense. Certainly a team ranked number one at Alabama when you talk about the youth. That, uh, and I know we're into the second half of the season, and there's a point where freshmen become sophomores and all those things. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of good offenses in this league. There's a lot of good offensive coaches. And Alabama has seen – I know Alabama's schedule doesn't exactly uh, get people excited. But when you talk about just offensive coaches who understand how to get mismatches and game plan, you know, David Cutcliffe of Duke can do that. Jimbo Fisher of Texas A&M can do that. Uh, Rich Rodriguez, good offensive coordinator. Uh, at Ole Miss, and, you know, it's not going to get any easier. You know that. Jim Chaney coming up at Tennessee, widely regarded as, uh, you know, a, a top-tier offensive coordinator. Um, Chad Morris of Arkansas has been a successful offensive guy in the past, and then you get to LSU on November the 9th. So all you can do is keep throwing those guys back out there. 
Yeah, I agree, Mark. I think, you know, the, the kind of the, the bitter pill you're swallowing right now of youth is going to taste pretty sweet in about a year's time. I mean, when guys like Byron Young, Justin Aboigbe, DJ Dale, um, Braylon Ingram, Ish Softshur, you know, those inside linebackers, you know, you, you're, you're, you're taking some lumps. It's a little painful right now. But uh, I think there is a, a bright light at the end of the tunnel, and it's not that train, by the way, that just uh, passed behind us there. Anything else, guys? As we uh, join you here, CV checking in, and he wants to know if Tua will throw for seven or eight touchdowns on Saturday. Um, you know, he only only had four at A&M, so you know he's going to be motivated to get to at least six or seven, right, CV? Um, you know, that's that's got to be the uh, that's got to be the goal this week for he and those wide receivers. I mean, just four touchdown passes. What what in the world is going on? Um, saw something about uh, LeBron Ray. He is he he's in the weight room right now working out. That's what he's doing. Dylan Moses, um, LeBron Ray. Saw Josh McMillan out at practice today. Um, but these aren't guys that are really close at this point to being ready to play. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Got your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, Lee, I know. It's crazy, right? Playing uh, Tennessee this weekend and just not a whole lot of talk about it. Playing them at 9 o'clock at night, Eastern anyway. Yeah, Josh, we did see Markel Benton out there early in the game on Saturday. You saw Tavita Musica rotating in on the defensive line. It was kind of eye-opening, but, you know, Benton is still working with that hamstring strap on that left leg. He was out there today with the linebackers doing that. Uh, but Nick Saban earlier today said that, you know, there is the potential for a role for Markel Benton. Um, and at this point, you know, if, if, if you have a grasp of what they're trying to do defensively, you have a chance to play because there's just so much youth. Ken Trey thinks the days of the dominant defense are gone. I'll say this, you know, think about it this way. We're on a collision course for – another LSU-Alabama game of the century part 17, it seems like, right? seems like almost every year they get together. It's the uh, game of the century. But when you think back to 2011 and the way those two teams played football, and it was good enough. It was good enough in 2011 to win a national championship. And if you can play dominant defense, it's still good enough today. But you still have to be able to – I don't care who you are. I don't care how good you are defensively. Um, you have to be able to score points. You have to be explosive Look at Georgia over the weekend. You know, when you're not able either through talent and or scheme or philosophy to sort of produce those kind of plays three or four times a game, uh, you can find yourself in a situation like Georgia found itself on Saturday or really like Alabama in 2009 against Tennessee 10 years ago. Um, you know, that team was, at that point in the season, very much Mark Ingram-oriented, defense-oriented, kicking game-oriented. 
Um, and that's great. I still think you can win that way. Blocking and tackling, you still got to be able to do them. They're undeniables. But you can also be too much uh, in the box that you end up in these games where teams that really don't have any business threatening you, uh, not only threaten you, but shock you, which is what we saw with Georgia. And when I look at Georgia right now, I see kind of a 2009 Alabama team, but better at quarterback than Alabama was in 2009, but doesn't have a Julio Jones at wide receiver like Alabama had. 2009 LSU game here in Tuscaloosa, I mean, that game basically came down to a quick smoke screen to the sideline that Julio Jones turned into a, a huge touchdown. Yeah, I agree with that. I don't think it's something that we need to get definitive about and talking about, well, this is the way the game's going to be from here on out. Um, I think what we're seeing, too, though, is a wave at the quarterback position, man. There's more – seems like there's more good quarterbacks in college football now than there's been in a long time. I'm talking about dynamic quarterbacks, and quarterbacks are developing younger and younger. Um, you know, you've got – you got guys getting coached up privately at 10 years old. So, you know, by the time they're 18, there's not much you can show them that they haven't already seen. So, uh, yeah, I think that's part of it too. Rick, I'm going to let Alabama play the next two games before I do a Bama-LSU score prediction. I think I'll let even LSU play Auburn uh, coming up on October – is that October 26th? That's going to be a big game in Baton Rouge. I think I'll let them play that first. Um, kind of the same thing, Greg, with Bryce Young. I'm going to let him finish his senior season of high school football out there in the L.A. area before I make any predictions about him winning the starting quarterback job next year. Look, I mean, he's obviously a fabulous talent. He's one of those guys I'm talking about. Um, you watch some of these guys as juniors in high school, some even as sophomores, and you know, you know they're going to be the real deal. And uh, we'll see. Yeah, you know, as far as the LSU game, I'll talk about it in these terms, watching LSU-Florida Saturday night. Um, here's the thing with LSU, and LSU knows this, and it's impressive. The offensive success, Burrow's numbers, those wide receivers, uh, Joe Brady coming in as a passing game coordinator, it's all very impressive. But LSU knows, and Ed Orgeron knows, that none of it matters until November the 9th. All the numbers, all the offensive success, all those things. And LSU may come in here and put 40 up. I mean, the pieces are in place for LSU more so than at any point since 2010 to have offensive success against this Alabama defense, you know. But we'll see. Um, I think the key for Alabama looking ahead, and you saw some of this Saturday against Texas A&M, when you can get multiple guys in the pass rush – you can take that defense to another level. You know, when you can have Terrell Lewis and Anthony Jennings playing similar, similar snap counts, and then you mix in maybe a Christian Barmore as an interior pass rusher to go along with Raquan Davis, you know, then you're able to pose some problems for teams like LSU um, that they haven't encountered to this point. Hmm. Yeah, Lewis was really good. I mean, that was – you talk about positives from that game Saturday. Seeing him in something more 
than a uh, than a uh, situational role. That's that's huge for this team. And if you can keep him healthy, and you can keep Anthony Jennings healthy, and Raquan Davis, and you keep bringing along Christian Barmore as even just a situational pass rusher, um, then you got something. I mean, you still got to stop the run. That was one thing about LSU Saturday night that I think surprised a lot of people, myself included, was the success that LSU had running the football. Shane Lee question, you know, Shane Lee's body type is his body type. Now, yeah, I think, to be fair, he's been here nine months or so. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you're not gonna you're not gonna make him longer. Um, you're not gonna stretch him out. You know, he's not gonna be six three, six four. But I think he can become more of a guy like Sean Dion Hamilton. You know, Sean Dion Hamilton wasn't six three, wasn't six four. You know, he was kind of in that six foot range. Um, you know, and he got the job done. I think Shane Lee in time can be that kind of guy. Anything else before we get out of here? Anything? This will, by the way, upload onto the Built by Bama Online. Built by Bama Online podcast is where you'll be able to find this uh, archived as uh, all of these, or at least most of them, make their way to that feed. And if you have iTunes or you have Google Play, Stitcher, Megaphone, you're going to be able to find uh, all of them. CV, we'll maybe get more into a... Uh, a score prediction on Wednesday. We'll do this again on Wednesday. You're going to have so much coverage on the website this week. I mean, a big recruiting weekend. Been keeping up with Hank South's running list of visitors for the upcoming weekend. I mean, and as big as this is going to be, I mean, I think we all know what November the 9th is going to be like. Uh, Greg's asking about Trey Sanders. I haven't seen him, you know, of late really out and about. Um, you see him at games, on the sideline, things like that. Um, I haven't heard anything really, though, either way, which is probably a good thing. You know, no news is good news, typically, when guys are coming back from injuries like the one he sustained. Um, you don't want setbacks, obviously. That's going to do it for instant analysis on a Monday. Thanks to you all, as usual, for joining us here on the segment. Thank you for your support of BamaOnline.com. Again, Charlie Potter with a practice report. Continuing updates from Nick Saban's press conference earlier today. What Saban said, what we think it means, is up on the website as well. Kirk McNair going to have updates for you throughout the week. Player interviews from today are up uh, in terms of video from those. Tua, Xavier McKinney, and some of the guys addressing the, the media, the assembled media earlier today. In the Naylor Stone media suite over at the Malmore Athletic Facility. The rapidly growing Malmore Athletic Facility. That's right. Working over there. Got construction going on. Hey, join us again Wednesday for instant analysis right here on the Facebook home of BamaOnline.com. Have a great rest of your Monday, everybody.